This is the Medevac Podcast, powered by the Robert Irvine Foundation, whose mission is to support and strengthen the physical and mental well-being of our nation's heroes and their families. They provide them with life-changing opportunities, resources, and support through food, wellness, community, and financial support programs. I'm on your host, David Reed. And I'm your other host, Christian Myers. Thank you very much for joining us today. Our guest, before we hop into who that is, he's a Canuck, our first Canuck. There is a price for the show. So if you're new here, uh, keep in mind, you have to share it with a friend or family member if you get something out of today's episode. And uh, don't judge me for being nasally today. I slept on an airplane for the last two weeks. I'm a little nasally. Yes, 7X Project, which yeah. we'll get into in a couple of weeks here. Another time, another time. Our guest today. Our Canadian? Yeah, Toby Miller, welcome. Our first Canadian. Thanks. Yeah, our first Canuck all the way down <laughs> what is, from... What is, do they still have armies there? Or uh, yeah. Is, is yeah. it like Air Force? Well, like, what do you... Yeah, we, we have an army and an Air Force <laughs> and a Navy. <laughs> what have you guys been <laughs> I mean, doing? It's, 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 you know. <laughs> what happens in Canada? <laughs> you see, we, we, we finished with Afghanistan and we've just sort of been on a break, getting to know ourselves again, you know? <laughs> We're back to hockey and maple syrup. Right? And horse <laughs> No, I, uh, it's actually a very small military. We've got about, uh, I, I think current numbers are probably sitting at 65,000 or so, and that's our entire wow. military. That's Army, yeah. Navy, and Air Force. No shit. Wow. Uh, not our reserves, but, you know, that's the Reg Force guys. Um, so, you know, we've... It's funny because we spent 14 years in Afghanistan and we, yeah. we, we ran Kandahar province by ourselves for about mm. three years of that. Yeah. Mm. And we're talking about an army that has probably 25,000 troops and of that pointy end of the spear kind of people are probably, you know, and we run a, a 2,500-man battle group there. Yeah. That's 10% of your army. That's everyone, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, that's insane. So yeah. how many years did you spend in? Uh, I did uh, 16. Well, 15, almost 16 years. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. And uh, you enlisted what year? I joined up in 2002 and uh, and got out. Uh, well, yeah, 2002, I got out end of 2016. So Okay. Okay. Yeah, 15 years. You joined in uh, right after 9-11 then? Pretty much. It was in response to 9-11. I was, so it was a uh, response to yeah. 9-11. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I uh, it was a response to 9-11. And also, um, the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry had gone into northern Afghanistan with you guys in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, worked Actually, with worked with SEALs and, and Green Berets mm-hmm. and stuff. And we lost four guys uh, in a blue-on-blue. Blue. Oh, and uh, just outside of Tarnak Farms, outside of Kandahar Airfield. Uh, um, and for our audience, you got to explain. That's, that's an American F-16 pilot had thought he was under fire and it was Canadians doing a live fire range. Ah. Uh, and he dropped a 500 pound bomb onto a platoon of Canadians, uh, accidentally, wow. obviously, uh, it was not his intention, but yeah. at the end of the day, we lost four guys. And it was at that point to me back home as a civilian, I was like, okay, this is, this is real. Like yeah. we're, we're losing guys again. And my grandparents had both, uh, both, both my grandfathers had served in world war two. And, okay. and so I was like, you know, 32 years old, am I too old for this? Nah, we'll give it a shot. Sure. And, uh, and I signed up and I went to basic training at 32 years old and I was in Afghanistan. So I joined in May of 2002. And by January of 2003, I was in Afghanistan. Wow. wow. That's a quick turn. Tour. Yeah. I was a no hook private. Didn't, didn't know hardly anything. Like. Yeah. And and what was your occupation within? I was a signaler, so a radio operator. Okay. Um, okay. I spent most of my career in, in comms. I mean, comms is a is a is a field that goes everything from satellite communications to your laptop, yeah, networks IT to uh, you know, man pack radios. And I spent most of my time doing man pack radio stuff. Okay. I, was, I spent most of my time uh yeah, just sort of uh 
talking about, you know, I sort of spent most of my time carrying a radio on my, on my back and, and being, being a company signaler. Okay. Were you, were you attached to like an infantry unit? So at first I ran uh, what they call a radio rebroadcast unit where we would go out with just a three man detachment and, mm-hmm. and hide and hope nobody finds you. Cause you know, <laughs> there's three of you and sure. you're kind of screwed. Yeah, yeah, not- and, and, and we run uh, RRBs for the, the brigade, which was uh, our, our combat brigade, which was second Canadian mechanized brigade. Okay. Um, then I became the signaler for the commander of that brigade. Uh, so he always has a signaler with him. Hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I worked for him for about two and a half years. I actually did my second tour in Afghanistan with him, uh, on his protection party. Oh, okay. So it's good. Uh, yeah. Keep those friends close. Right? It's a good, it's a good gig. General Dennis Thompson, outstanding cat. <laughs> well, that's crazy, man. So in response to nine 11, I mean, how did like, I just want to understand the perspective of outside of the country as well. Like this was, you know, happened in America, the largest terrorist attack. Right. And what's going on in Canada at the it, time? It was, I mean, it, uh, probably much like here. I mean, we, we, we lost some people, a few people mm-hmm. in the, uh, in the attack, yeah. um, uh, you know, cause it was international, those yeah. buildings. Right. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, just anger and shock, <clears throat> you know, so, so much of the country was just like how, how 3000 people, like, yeah. you know, how did, how does this happen? And, and who would do this? Yeah. Right. Like I imagine, I mean, of course, you know, I'm mean, yeah. not that old, but I imagine it's a little Pearl Harbor ish, right? Like what the heck this, mm. yeah. this just happened for real. I had just gotten off night shift at the warehouse. I got home and uh, turned the TV on and I was Ooh. just like, are you kidding me? Like I, yeah. the first one you think it's a, an accident. And then the second plane hit, and it was like, no, this is no accident. This is this is an act yeah. of war, right? And uh, and in Canada, we had so when you guys had to close your airspace, mm-hmm. all those Cana- or American planes coming across from Europe wound up landing in Canada. Okay, got diverted. In, uh, yeah, well, in there the was place a movie called Goose Bay. This. Yeah, and it's uh, they they filled their airport so that they you couldn't. Like you could barely taxi another aircraft because there were oh, so many seven twenty seven seven thirty seven. There was so much confusion. Absolutely, and and so there was nowhere to put these people. And Canadians opened up their homes and mm. took them into their homes. Uh, they put a bunch of them into sort of school gyms and dorm uh, school gyms and stuff. And people were bringing food. Okay, and then people started just taking the, these Americans home that were stuck and saying, you know, come no on, kidding. come home, have a shower, have a good meal. You know what? I got forget it. I got a spare bedroom. Stay here. Yeah. Right. And so uh, it's it's apparently some of those relationships are still lasting twenty years later. You know. Oh, I can imagine. You yeah. know. So absolutely. Yeah. So it was there was a there was a response in Canada, and and then as I said, Canada deployed um, a battalion of the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry, mm-hmm. the PPCLI, uh, over in two thousand and one when when you guys first went into Afghanistan, yeah. and they did six months there, I believe. Uh, and then Canada pulled them back and there was a sort of a decision. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. And when NATO, uh, took over and said, we're going to, we're going to run a, an actual mission there longer term then Canada committed. And that's when uh two brigade wound up taking over a battle group. And I wound up in Afghanistan in 03. Mm. Wow. So yeah. And fresh, I, fresh off the bird. <laughs> right. And, uh, and driving around in an Iltis, which is a, open jeep basically it's like a willis willis jeep yeah wide open no uh, armor oh God. nothing just oh man sand did, did you guys even have sandbags sand yet? and and uh uh blast blankets so that oh, under your uh, over over your seat is a seat cover right so you know like that was gonna do any good but that was it we were uh and we were in green cad pat which is our destructive 
camouflage, right? We okay. were in green because we didn't own any desert, desert camo yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Canada's like, there's fighting in a desert? <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah. Right? We haven't yeah. fought in years. I'm, I'm, we, not, uh, I'm not dressed for this. <laughs> we were in the same boat, though, kind of. You know, we had Desert Storm, which, which, you know, that camouflage was. Chocolate chips. Oh, the chocolate the chip. chip. Yeah. <laughs> chips. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we of course went to the ACUs, which glow in the dark. Right, yeah. you're not familiar with that. <laughs> so it's we have no room to talk about camouflage. Yeah, either. well, we so we've uh, we yeah we we were ill equipped in mm. in '03. We had uh, you know we, everybody had like a an M16 A A2 sort of full length yeah blunderbuss rifle, you know, and yeah. uh, and we didn't have much armor. We bought the Lav threes and we brought some over. Um, they wound up, the lab three wound up being the workhorse for the Canadian military in Afghanistan. It's, uh, it's basically for anybody who doesn't know, it's a striker, mm-hmm. but it's got the lab 25 turret on it. So it's got a 25 millimeter Bushmaster chain gun, okay, mm-hmm. which can reach out about three kilometers, three, th- yeah, three kilometers. So, you know, yeah. I, I know that doesn't make <laughs> it's accurate metric, measurements. But, yeah. and it's and it's fairly accurate and it's uh it's a it's a beast the uh hey, we still say clicks in the military there you yeah. go right? military uses the metric. you, you measure it in football fields for me there you yeah. go <laughs> right uh and they, uh, the taliban went up referring to them as uh spitting witches because they, they mm. were not happy with having that chain gun come against them but oh i bet you know, so. <laughs> spinning witches spitting spitting witches spitting witches like and witchcraft. uh I and mean, so yeah i and and when I came back from my first tour um, in uh, in '03, and my wife and I were on that tour together, she was a oh, signaler really? at the time. Uh, we'd met on our on our course training, and so she we were on tour together. Okay, uh, she was at the British camp uh, working with Gurkhas, hmm. and I was working with the uh, with the Canadian battle group. And uh, we came back from that tour. Uh, she went again in '07. Hmm. Um, I. Did some more time as a signaler in our squadron, and uh, and uh, eventually got on with General Thompson. And next thing you knew, uh, CSOR was standing up, which is Canadian Special Operations Regiment. And mm-hmm. I had thought about joining as an operator, little long in the tooth, you know. Mm-hmm. I was at that point, you know, thirty six years old, and I'm like, does this make sense? Yeah. First off, I'm not combat arms, you know, so I'm yeah. not an infantry or yeah. or even an artillery gunner. Yeah. I'm a radio operator at 36 years old. Am I yeah. going to be in a, am I going to be a soft operator? And I was like, I think I will. Hell yeah. Why and, not? And, and, and then, uh, the general said, uh, listen, would you be willing to come to Afghanistan with me on another, another kick? I'm, I'm going to be the boss there. So he took over as the, um, task force commander Kandahar. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, task force commander for all of Kandahar province. He had U.S. Marines under him. Uh, oh, wow. And it's, it actually, I believe was the first time historically that U.S. Marines had ever been, uh, commanded by a Canadian. Wow. Right? I, so I, so I bet be, you yeah. it was a big deal. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they were really happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> the Marines especially. Yes. Oh, God. But, hey, you could just defer. Right? Like, I don't know. Was Canadian yeah. told me to. So uh, I went over with him, and we that's how I became a lav crewman. I got, okay. got to play around with the lavs. I mean, I still to this day miss firing the 25. That's so much fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, but I was uh, – in the Canadian Army, we call the gib, the guy in back. So you're in the air sentry hatch in the back, you know, yeah. <laughs> hoping you you make it. And and if you come across anything funky, they drop the ramp and you're the dismount. You're the first Go one. have a look at that. Oh, good. Okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Let me go look at this IED. <laughs> Let me go check this out for you guys real quick. Right. So that was an 11-month tour. I had a great tour. Uh, a lot of... That's a long tour. Yeah, it was. It was a, it was a tough tour. We lost... I think in the 11 months that I was there, we lost uh, 
42 Canadians or something like that. Wow. Uh, and that was a lot of ramp ceremonies because the general has to, he did not like calf. He didn't like being in calf. He didn't Mm. like the bureaucracy and stuff. He wanted to lead from the front. Mm. Um, so we did 17,000 kilometers in those labs on that tour, uh, and managed to not hit an IED the entire 17,000 came pretty close, but a number of times, but, uh, but you know, he would, so we would be out at a cop or a fob. And he'd want to come back in for, he'd have to come back in for ramp ceremonies. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I think I attended ramp ceremonies for 42 other of my brothers and sisters wow. on that tour. And that's uh, significant. That's a tough one. You know, that was, that's one of those sort of long-term injuries that, that people don't necessarily think about. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's a huge injury and that's, it is. that's mental. When I talk to guys, battle. I've talked to people who are, you know, clerks or, or cooks or whatever. And they're like, man, that just broke me. And I, I tell Everybody over and over, you know, trauma is trauma. Mm-hmm. It, you you, you got to stop. You got to stop uh, comparing traumas. Yes. We talk about that. You know, all the my time. trauma is not your trauma. <laughs> yes. And whether your trauma is from spousal abuse or a car accident or too many ramp ceremonies or like me getting blown up. Yeah. It's, it, I always tell people it's a know? biological response. Absolutely. Right. What's going on in your body when you're releasing all these chemicals is the same thing. Sure. It's just different scenery. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's out of your control. Yes. It is. <laughs> By and large. And, and, that and that's, what I, that's a great point. And I always you know, like to talk about this is you know, the mom who's walking across the street and her stroller gets run over by a car yep. didn't sign up for anything. No. We go overseas. We step on an IED. At least when we wake up in the hospital, we're like, okay, well, I put myself in that situation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in it, you know, when we're comparing, we always compare, ah, I never did that. But at the end of the day, it's the families, you know, and, mm. and everyone around it who who never went into it right. expecting exactly this to happen. <clears throat> and that surprises is, is well, and, in, and in fact, I, I guess we're probably better. Uh, our, our trauma would almost be reduced comparative to a civilian exactly. who's in that sort of situation because yep. they haven't gone through resilience training. Exactly. They haven't gone through, you know, R2, R2I and stuff like, like they don't understand. They didn't sign up to, as you said, to have this yeah. happen to them. Whereas we know that it's a, always a possibility in the back of your mind, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why I always feel for the gold star families, yeah, you know, absolutely. for, you know, cause they just had to accept someone else's absolutely. decision. In Canada, we call them silver cross mothers. The, uh, hmm. the government gives them a, a medal, okay. which is a silver cross. Okay. Uh, and, uh, every, every troop who's, who dies in the service, their, their family gets a silver cross. And okay. every year we pick a silver cross mother, a new one to lay a wreath on behalf of the parents hmm. at our national war memorial on uh, remembrance day, which for us is, <clears throat> what you guys have as uh veterans day mm-hmm. okay right? november yeah we only have one day we don't have a veterans day uh, or a day for veterans in canada what we have is we have a day that's called remembrance day and mm-hmm. it's to most veterans minds it's about our fallen brothers and sisters mm-hmm. yeah. you know it's not about us the the country likes to say well it's also for us to recognize you and your yeah. sacrifice and we're like Really, don't bug me today <laughs> yeah, because today's what I'm thinking about, you know, the guys who John didn't. or Matt or Steve yeah. or whoever. Yeah. You know, and that's, I've, I've, I've sort of complained, not complained, but I've, I've been vocal about the fact that I think we should have to. Yeah. You know, there like, should be something much like we do separate. Yeah. I, you know, I think we kind of do the same thing here too. At least it happens for me on Memorial Day because they see the physical injury, they yes. see that I'm yeah. missing a leg. They'll come up and they'll thank me. And I'm like, you're thanking 
the wrong people. Wrong dude. Like, go thank the families, you know, yeah. that, um, you know, stood beside yeah. their spouse or their yeah. brother or their sister. Mm. I think for me, it just comes down to, I, I feel like I don't want to share that day because I don't want to take any, any attention or effort away from that. Yeah. Day. And it's, yeah. Like, it, it's odd too, because we have a tendency and of course we should celebrate their lives. Sure. But I think it gets misconstrued along the uh, a way about like this, uh, you know, sense of patriotism yeah. and like happy Memorial Day. Yes. you know that's yeah. what we say around here. Happy Memorial Day. Right. There's it's it's a somber day. Yeah, it's a day of of quiet reflection and remembering. Are you looking for those. a new mattress? Come to the Memorial Day sale. Yeah, right? <laughs> you, what? Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. there, that's a dark. Your that's brand a new dark Toyota joke right <laughs> there. Come to the mat. You'll be sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Get your brand new Take, Toyota. Ten percent off see, today. They told you Canadians were all friendly and polite, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you join the military. There you and, go. And, and all social guys. Guidelines are out. That's, yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> it, that goes for any anyone, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Add some grit to you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that's uh, that 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 is uh, interesting, and and I think Remembrance Day is a more you know accurate portrayal. You yeah. Know? Mm. It's uh, we wear poppies. You know, everybody wears a poppy from uh, the the last Sunday of October until Remembrance Day, and then we unpin mm. them and you put them on the wreaths uh, on the war memorial. You'll see the. Uh, we have the grave of the unknown soldier from World War One, mm-hmm. and you'll see photos by noon on a Remmer's Day. It's covered in these poppies, mm. the pins that people have taken off, and they just leave them on the grave. Wow, uh, as a sort of a symbol of remembrance, right? So, and and forty two, you said that you had to attend. Yeah, these. yeah, I, I think it was forty two or more even, and uh, and and some of those were those were are multiple. Rough. Uh, because we'd lost three or four guys. We yeah. had a couple of uh, occasions in 08 and 09 where we had what they call a K-kill on a lav, and that's where the lav is breached by the IED. The, yeah. the Taliban learned to make bigger and bigger IEDs as we brought bigger and bigger stuff over, right? Yeah. And uh, and they breached the IEDs, and there'd be like six dudes in the back, and mm. you'd lose all six. Or, Damn. you know, I mean, just the crew. You've got a, a gunner, a driver, and a crew commander. And then you throw just a couple of guys in the back, you know, and you're you're going to start to have big losses if you're you know if you're hitting that armor. And we had yeah. we had reactive armor. We got a, they're, they're twenty tons when they're fully up armored. You yeah. Know? But the Taliban are resourceful and they're smart. Very There's nothing crafty. else, right? I mean, the e, like the EFPs. Yeah. Oh yeah. When, oh. When they came out with those. Yeah. And yeah. we brought Leo uh, Leopard two tanks over there, right? Yeah. We brought yeah. Leopard twos to Afghanistan Shit. eventually because we were like. The yeah. 25 is not doing it, so we're going to have a 120 millimeter smoothbore cannon on yeah. the leopard. Now. We're just going to start decimating and, things. And, yeah. and they managed to breach a couple of leopards, even. Wow. You know, and that's not easy yeah. to do. That's, I mean, EFPs but, will go through an entire building, yeah. though. Yeah. Absolutely. The EFP and, you know, explosively formed penetrators for all of our audience who doesn't know what it is, essentially has a copper sheet yeah. that the blast forms into essentially a massive bullet. <laughs> Big yeah. copper bullet. At, like, but if they're, you know, it weighs, weighs 35, the 40 pounds. at which they it, move. Yeah, and the heat. Yeah, the and heat. The, yeah. It's yeah, molten they're, copper. They're molten copper yeah. moving at ridiculous yeah. speed. 5,000 feet per second. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. ridiculous. It is. There's yeah. hard to armor against that, you know? So. Oh, it's impossible to yeah. armor against exactly. that. Yeah, you can't. There is no armoring against it. And, yeah. and then that when that hits a human body. Exactly. It's gone. Yeah. So that's a tough one. So I came home from that tour, um, you know, having, well, I I stood on a couple of IEDs that I, that I found out laughter that I'd stood on. 
the engineers, we called in an IED and it was, it was designed to kill a lab and I'd been standing on it. I had my interpreter beside me, uh, and the general's not with us. We were picking up, uh, the representative of Canada in Kandahar, whose mm. code name is The Rock. <laughs> R-O-C-K, right? <laughs> so we're picking up The Rock, uh, to take her to a meeting, Ashura. And on our way to get her, uh, some guy in civilian clothing with an AK steps out on the road. And I'm like, well, if you're stepping out in front of a lav, two lavs. Yeah. You're probably not a bad guy, or else you're the dumbest bad guy I've ever seen in my yeah, life. Right? right? Yeah. You're <laughs> so, about to die. <laughs> so the crew commander is like, he's like, uh, you know, says to the general's bodyguard and to me, he says, well, you two grab the, the interpreter and, and hop out and find out what's going on. And I went out as we're talking to him through the interpreter. It turns out, you know, he's like, there's a there's an IED here, right in this canalized little road. And uh, and I said through the interpreter, where is it? And he comes back to me. He says, he says you're standing on it, Mister Toby. And I look down, and and um, the bodyguard with me looks down, and he sees a little piece of wire, and we're like, I, I'm on the radio, and I said, uh, I want to go home now to the to the crew commander. Right? He's <laughs> no like, shit. he's like, back in the vehicle. We'll call this in. I called it into the engineers. Um, our engineers came out and exploited it, and they said it was massive, and they said he'd been attempting to detonate it, and it hadn't. Uh, hadn't gone off and the engineer so the guy was yeah and the engineer sergeant major says to me we don't know why it didn't go off it should have yeah and I was just like okay (laughs) oh that is a yeah so we had we had a couple close ones on that tour Um, that's a clean your pants moment yeah the sea container we lived in we got stuck at a we were staying in sea containers at one fob and we went over to another fob for the boss to go to a meeting Uh, and then uh couldn't make it back because it got too late. And our sea containers that we lived in got rocketed and uh, toasted that yeah. night. Like we went back in and all our gear beds were shredded from 107 millimeter mm. Chinese rockets. Oh, and we're man. like, man, had, had, had we not? Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's interesting, um, you know, for our audience as well, you, all you can do is laugh it off, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have said, I have said, uh, at the end of that tour, I said, you know, uh, it's good to be skilled. It's good to be good. But I'd rather be lucky. Rather be lucky. Oh yeah. no, shit! And and you know that that's so funny. And and Christian could attest to this since we were in high school together. Like I've always been like, luck of the Irish, baby. Yeah, <laughs> luck of the Irish. And, and I do. And maybe it's a self fulfilling prophecy there. But like, uh, I do like think that luck has a huge part. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I mean, and it, it it has nothing to do with skill. <laughs> if. There, there is an IED bu- buried beneath you. War, war is a game of inches and seconds. Yeah. It, you it know? really is. Yeah. It is a game of inches and seconds. And I've been fortunate I won it by millimeters and a nanosecond. <laughs> yeah. Right? Like, yeah, right. yeah that's, like, really. It's a valid point. And in example, we teach our reload drills nonstop, right, in infantry. It's nonstop. And you get 0.3 seconds faster. Yeah, every time that gives you such a tremendous leg up. Yeah. Absolutely, you know, all yeah. you got to be is a second faster than the other guy, that's or it. half a second faster a half, than the other guy, point three seconds faster. You know? than the exactly. other guy. that's all that matters. We're exactly. just a little bit lucky. I mean, we're and, a little bit lucky. <laughs> and what what is the situation like when you're trying to get home and you think all you're thinking about is your cot and laying down, and it's too late, and you're like, God damn it, I can't get home. What right. is that? You know what that right. moment's and like. I'm sleep. Everyone's pissed off, and I'm going to sleep yeah. in the dirt yeah. on the side of the H. Zed with a ranger blanket my yes. would be pulled over me 
and I'm going to hope a, a, a Chinook doesn't come in, in the middle of the night and suck it off of yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, you don't sleep in <laughs> have, the cars. Have you yeah. met unlucky people, though? Because I certainly oh, yeah. have met. And and I'm not talking about unlucky as, as those that we're going to remember on Remembrance Day no, or Memorial no, no. Day. Like, you know, that's unfortunate. But, like, just... <laughs> Just like the guy who falls in the shit pond, like every time, and click, yeah. like, <laughs> absolutely. Our buddy Adam, <laughs> yeah. that's him. And you know, we've just you, you go through like you're just like, ah, am I that guy right now? Right? Am, am I also dealing with this? don't stand too close to me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> smell. Get out of here, stinky. <laughs> like what? Did you wear deodorant? Yeah. Today? Yeah. Did you see me fall? Yeah. <laughs> I thought this was covert, right? Covert. You smell. <laughs> yeah. 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 We came. I, I, so I came home from that tour and the wife said I was different. You know, I mean, it had mm. been 11 months and 17,000 yeah. kilometers so, of patrolling. And so let me, let me kind of pause you on that. Yeah. She said you're different. Yeah. Uh, and how fast was this noticeable difference? Oh, it was, it was, I think fairly quickly mm. after getting home, I had less, less patience, quicker temper, um, a lot more cynical, probably. You know, yeah. less uh, smiles, yeah. less laughs. Yeah, uh, easier to easier to anger, easier to probably be depressed. Sure. Uh, um, if things didn't go exactly my way, you uh-huh. know. And and looking back on it now, putting yourself in those shoes, like, did you see a difference? Did you, know, you notice a difference? I don't think I did. I really didn't notice the difference until I came home from the third tour after I'd been wounded. Okay. And that was an obvious difference to me, right? That was that was so such big differences that it was easy to yeah. to sort of quantify. But I, I I think in the first first tour, the wife said I changed a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd spent a lot of time out on the roads in our open Jeeps and stuff. And mm. um she said I'd changed a bit. The second tour she said I'd changed even more. Uh, we'd, we'd spent a lot more time. Uh, well, I mean, the, the general was on a foot patrol when an, the ANA, the Afghan National Army that we were patrolling with, triggered an IED. And they we had to E&E the general back to a cop, mm-hmm. a combat outpost, under fire. Mm-hmm. And this is your task force commander, right? Like, that's the, that's, wow. that is the nightmare for a protection party. Yeah. Right? Oh, Don't God, this the guy boss die. is taken right. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, you're definitely getting fired if the boss doesn't make it back. <laughs> Something's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Like, that's not going to look on the pers- good on the personal evaluation report. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> EPR is a so, one. <laughs> so I had changed, uh, I guess, according to her. Uh, mm. And I mean, I think she probably mentioned it at some point, but I also was really wrapped up in, in going to Seesaw. Because mm. the general had said to me at the end of the tour, you know, he said, you know, you've been with me two and a half years and you've been a loyal and awesome, awesome cat. What, what can, you know, what's your, your wishes? Where do you want to go? And I'll see if I can help. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, he's not going to get me, you know, the, you're not getting a golden parachute, but I said, you know, I'm really hoping to go to SOF. Uh, cause in Canada, we call it SOF, Special Operations Forces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the command is CANSOF, Canadian Special Operations Forces. Uh, and I said, I wanted to go to SOF and, uh, and he said, still in Pat, Petawawa, where, which was our big base. And I said, yeah, it's a seesaw. And, uh, and I knew some guys at seesaw who were other signalers and stuff. And I was on leave, uh, my post tour leave driving around with, uh, Sherry and my kids. My kids were out visiting from British Columbia, my daughters. And, uh, and we drove by my warrant officer and he sort of flags me down on the side of the road. And I said, what's up? He says, you know, when you come back, you got one day left in the squadron or you're, you're gone to, to Kansas. Oh, no. I was like, yeah. Wow, nice. Right. And I was all, I was all pumped up. And, 36 years yeah, old. Yeah. 36 right? years old. And I'm like, I'm going to <laughs> compete soft, with you know? freaking 20 year olds. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, and, and I mean, I, I was, 
I was very lucky. Like at basic training, I ran circles around most of the kids in basic with me. I was probably the fastest, most hard charging guy in my squadron when I was in my thirties. Yeah. You know, it's it was about drive. You know, yeah. it's uh, you had so I had something to prove too. To you them. also had forty two <laughs> plus individuals there to motivate you, yes. which yeah. is which is a huge huge factor. Is you know, uh, I I always you know talk about being a much better leader in the military than I was back then, understanding, seeing all the mothers cry and, yeah. uh, you know, all the family members like have that gap in their heart. Seeing 20 years later, you know, what, sure. Absolutely. What, what this war has done to this country mm-hmm. and you're motivated so much more because your left and right's depending on you and you know, what you're doing is yeah. going to keep you alive. Yeah. Well, and that's an interesting thing, motivation, because when I talked about being different at the end of the second tour, my motivation for going was different. Mm. Oh yeah. My best Mine friend too, on my second, my tour. best friend had been killed in 07, uh, by an IED. Um, he was, a, a signaler on the, uh, uh, basically the, the teams that were going over and embedding with the Afghans and trying to teach them. Sure. And, uh, and he was killed, uh, in May of, uh, 2007 and i was pissed off when i went back in 08 09 i was looking for some vengeance right i had carried I him uh on i carried his coffin on my shoulder to his graveside and and buried him and 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 sat with his mother yeah right and this was my best friend uh so my motivation was entirely different and yeah. that and that of course also probably had an effect on me that I didn't notice until, you know, had, because you had to have, you he were died better. No, he had died, died in 07 and in 08, yeah. I'm going overseas. Yeah. And we're down in Fort hood here mm-hmm. to do tr- workup training for Afghanistan. Cause you know, there's not a lot of desert in Canada. So we're like, <laughs> yeah. you know, so we come down to, to the U S to train. And so we're down at hood. So you're, you're in that workup and training cycle. And I don't even really have time to process mm. how badly I'm screwed up by, by Matt having gotten killed. Yeah. And I'm like, so now, you know, I don't have time to process it. I don't have time to be introspective to myself and to, and to look at myself. I get off that tour and now I'm going to soft. I don't have time to look at myself once again. It's a yeah. back burner thing, right? Which yeah. is what we all tend to do because yep. we all want to advance. You all want to be, you know, you want to be the best at your job. You want the next bound. What's the next, what's the next tactical bound to take? Well, you know and what the cost is too. You know what the cost is as soon as you raise your hand or if sure. you start identifying that there's an issue, absolutely. Your career becomes in absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And, and if you're if you're the kind of guy that that, that we are, the career is everything, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it is your life for, for a lot of guys. It's it's who you are. Yeah. Yes. Right. It's it is your. I mean, it's tattooed all over my body. Yeah. You know, my it's so it's, intertwined it's, with exactly. your your personal identity. Absolutely. And that's that's a, that's what you know. Leading into like transition out of the military. That's sure. what a lot of a lot of people struggle with that. Toughest thing because I because toughest thing for me. One and the same. Toughest yeah. thing for me was was was. You got to deconstruct not, not that. being a soldier anymore. And, exactly. and, and if I'm not a soldier, what the yeah, F am I? And that's identity, right? right? Yeah. And, yeah. and our identity is wrapped around our occupation, mm-hmm. which the military is a lifestyle occupation, right? Yeah, it it's a 24 7 job. So you spend 16, 15, 16 years reinforcing that habit. Yeah. How do you come out and break that? We, so before we get into the transition in Canada, though, we call it what we, we refer to something called unlimited liability. <clears throat> it mm. is the only job in the world where I can order you to die. Mm. I can tell true. you you're going to die. Charge that machine gun, but I'll get killed doing that. 
Don't care. You're going to have to do it. There's no other career in the world that does that to you. A police officer has the right to say, no, I'm not getting out of the vehicle. A firefighter has a right to say, no, I'm not going into that building. Thankfully, most of them don't. They're all, you know, brave SOBs and do it. But this is the only job in the world where you Mm. can be told to go die. Yeah. And that they, we refer to that as unlimited liability in Canada. And, uh, and that, and that, of course, builds up that ethos or that, that identity for yourself. I'm a guy who's willing to die because you tell me I have to. Yes. Right? And, and, that, and, and that is such that, a, such a sh- true story. You sign up, you sign away your rights. Sure. As a human being. Absolutely. And they teach you that those rights are fiction mm. and you no longer are within those guidelines anymore. Right. And then when you get out of the military, oh, no, 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 those rules apply to you again. Right. So, <laughs> like, <when? laughs> how does that not mess with you yeah man. absolutely how do you change that how do you change that especially when it's been reinforced and and you know i had this conversation the other day is um interestingly enough the self-confidence of your average military member is heightened but yet they take away your confidence absolutely mm. does that make sense it does yeah yeah and in, in in that like you you question everything Right, but yet you sit there blindly and, follow if you're and told. You blindly follow. <laughs> it, it nowadays, if someone's like charge that machine gun nest, I'd be like, no, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, nah. We can call Uber and get a JDAM. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going Hell, over there. Yeah. A tens, <laughs> baby. Just because this bitch is two hundred thousand dollars more expensive than me, yeah. no, yeah. you're sending that fucking JDAM. In. That's right. And, and I think that that's actually, and that's a totally different topic of discussion. Yeah. In that there is individualistic mentality in the military now, and that's why we're conflicting with mm. such, uh, you know, an interesting thing where it's just like, I, no, no, the soldier or the trooper, whatever it is, has a voice now. And, you know, back in this, you know, prior no. to any period, it was charge that hill and die yeah, and, and do it. You and know. there's a point behind that, right? I mean, the point is, it's to not to not question anything in combat. You know, I don't have time as a sergeant. Yes, you know, I retired as a sergeant. I don't have time to explain it to you. I yeah. need to tell you to go. You know, you you don't. Uh, that's just as simple as it is. You and know? It, and it is, and and it needs to be that way. It needs like, to be like we we could sit here after all being retired and out of the military and eventually broke old men <laughs> and bitch about it. Already but there, it, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time. Like you need to have that. It, yeah. It's like you you have to understand that the leadership probably knows something more than you do. Yeah. And there is a loss here. You know. Mm, absolutely. Um. So so that's a great point as well. Yeah. It has to be done. So you know, I, I like I said, you know, I came back from that tour. I didn't have time. Didn't mm-hmm. have the time for introspection. Went to soft. Didn't have time for introspection, or didn't take the time. Sure. Uh. You know, most of us don't like to yeah. uh, you know you, you remove your edge you dull your edge a little sure. bit right? and 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 you start to question yourself right i mean you mm-hmm. you did i do right am i am i fast enough am i good enough for this am i big enough for this yeah. you know i mean for me that's always been a question i'm i'm five nine i joined the army i was 130 pounds <laughs> at 32 years old i'm like 180 now but i went in you know, just tiny. And I've always been the smallest guy in the, in the platoon. And that's, yeah, same. you know, so yeah. And, and, but that also motivates you to, yeah. you know, screw you, watch me. I'll do this. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's right. It, it does. It's, you know, uh, you know, I always told, uh, you know, everybody is that when you see the guy to your left and right suck harder than you do, 
that's when my motivation like right? kicks in. Yeah. Like that's when an they're elixir. throwing up, I'm like, this run sucks. They're throwing up, and I'm like, at least I'm not throwing up. That's yeah. an elixir right there. Yeah. Right? That is. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm good yeah. for another three point three miles. Yeah. <laughs> you keep puking. That's a dopamine hit for yeah. me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, that's good. That's good right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's so. I got into the unit uh, as a. Um, so SIG, they call it special operations signaler. I got to do some, uh, I got to do training that, that you don't do in the, in the regular army as a mm-hmm. signaler. You know, I got to do some, uh, do CQB and, uh, I mean, I got issued my, my, my firearms, my weapons. And I was like, I got my C8, which is an M4 mm-hmm. made by Colt Canada, but I had two uppers. I had a long barrel upper and I had a 10 and a half inch barrel upper. Oh, and I'm yes. like, Oh, I'm cool now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me a suppressor. And I'm like, Ooh. Because nobody in the Canadian military has got a suppressor yeah, except yeah. for snipers and soft, right? Yeah. So I'm like, yep, badass. <laughs> I get a Sig Sauer 226 in the Army. I was still carrying a Browning from World War II. That's great. Oh, right? Man. So our, our regular infantry to this day, still a lot of them don't have sidearms. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, a lot of infantrymen yeah. do not have sidearms. And Sig- it's wacky to me. Not all our, not all our infantry get them, but like our machine gunners will have them. Our, our radio operators will all have them. Officers, of course, have all got them. Senior yeah. NCMs have often got them. But we are also a heavy, a crew heavy, uh, army, like for, for our armed, uh, armored fighting vehicles and stuff. So all those guys have got sidearms. Yeah. So yeah, I got in soft and I got my 226 and I was like, this is so cool. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, modern you know, equipment, right? Ooh. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even my helmet, I got a, a Rubintex. Israeli helmet, which is better than the, you know, the Canadian issued Gullet helmet. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's it. And I don't have to have scrim on it. I can spray paint it. <laughs> you know, like, that's great. No more rules. What do you yeah. mean? I can paint my gun. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hello yeah, kitty colors. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Pink and white. Really. <laughs> but yeah, I got into the unit and uh, got to do a bunch of training like CQB and I got mm. to go to counter terror driving uh, down at uh, Blackwater. You know, in uh, in Moyoc, which was, I think, probably the coolest course I've ever been on in my life. Yes. They give you a, they give you a Crown Vic, and then pretty much dare you to wreck it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> we're gonna pit you out, and yeah. then you're gonna learn how to pit out, and you're gonna do bootlegger turns, and like, it was all uh, ex LAPD and, okay. and ma- oh, uh, yeah. Dade County detectives and yeah. stuff. They were like, yeah, and they were just like. Man, close your eyes. Take your hands off the wheel. Close your eyes. He'd close your eyes, and you're and he'd just like tromp on the gas pedal, and he's driving, and then he'd be like, "Open your eyes," and he'd take his hands off, and you have to react and oh, not. Shit. Oh wow, it that was, is awesome. It was a yeah. dead driver drill. Defensive driving and, is yeah. the best course. It was the, it it was the coolest course. It. That sounds epic. Yeah. Defensive, uh, offensive, combatives. You know, I mean, we didn't do combatives in the regular army, uh, BJJ and stuff, but mm-hmm. but that's taught in. Uh, it was actually guys from the. Our instructors came up from the uh, John F. Kennedy Special Warfare School, okay. uh, came up and, and started the program for the regiment. The regiment mm-hmm. had only been in existence about three and a half, three years when I got in there. Okay. So, you know, uh, they were standing up the unit and deploying while they stood up. The the mm-hmm. joke was it's like building an airplane in flight. Yeah, in flight. Right? Like they were trying to build this regiment <clears throat> while utilizing it in Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, so it was neat. I mean, that was a great, a, a really cool time to be in the unit because we were like just 
stealing buildings all over the base. Any building that was empty, it was like rats. Oh, yeah. The Seesaw guys would ours. crawl in in the middle of the night yeah. and yeah. take over that building. And this is ours now. Back off, <laughs> you know? So can you build the picture a little bit of what Seesaw is in comparison to like, sure. an American special operations? So Seesaw would be probably like a, a combination of Rangers and Green Berets. Okay. They yeah. do SRDA, Special Reconnaissance Direct Action. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do a lot of FID, like a foreign... Uh, you know, teaching indigenous uh, troops and stuff like that. We've okay. uh, like UW. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've done some of that in, I've trained, uh, been down training uh, BSAG, Belizean special activities group in Belize. Hmm. Uh, that must've been awful. Yeah. It's yeah. tough. No, there's a tougher one. We trained the, the, the Jamaican defense force. Oh, did you? Oh, oh, poor thing. Can't soft change the JDF a fair bit. So they would go down and, you know, you'd spend like a month or two in Jamaica. Oh man, you poor thing. And yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> trade-offs with the Malaysians, which is cool. Oh, that'd be pretty cool. It is cool, except when the Malaysians show up to train in Canada, and it's February. Oh, and yeah. none of them has ever really seen snow. <laughs> <laughs> Cold weather gear. Right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, so we they, they do special reconnaissance. They do hmm. um, uh, training foreign nations. We take part in Flintlock almost every year in, in, in Northwest Africa, mm-hmm. training Mauritanians or Nigerians or, you know, uh, I did some time in Niger uh, okay. with with missions over there, training guys. And uh, so they do a lot of that stuff. Um, they actually train Kurds in uh, in uh, Syria and Iraq. Okay. Uh, and took part in, in, in fighting in Syria and Iraq. Gotcha. Uh, that's Seesaw. We have, the command has uh, a unit, JTF-2, Mm-hmm. Uh, who's actually just been making the news lately because Dallas Alexander, the sniper, uh, went on Sean Ryan's podcast and uh, is talking about the longest kill shot ever. Yeah. Uh, 3,200 something meters. And he's one of the <laughs> shooters on the team. So crazy. At any rate, oh, uh, two and a half. Miles so that's JTF2. Uh, they're, you know, they're a, uh, they're our tier one unit. And that's all I'll say about them because I don't want the command mad at me. <laughs> Yeah, sure. And yeah. and I don't need the the hassle and and because it's out of respect to them and I'm not I've never been a member of their unit yeah. so I'm I've worked yeah. with them but I'll leave it at that. Uh we have a nuclear biological chemical unit. We have okay. uh, our own air asset. Mm-hmm. Um and then we have CSOR which is the the special operations regiment which is mm-hmm. more the hammer of the the re- of the command, right? Gotcha. It's yeah, not yeah. such a scalpel, it's more uh you know, smash. That's where the uh, <laughs> that's where the ranger mix in comes in. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, and we actually we spend a lot of time uh, uh, cross training with with foreign militaries. I've I've had uh, I've got coins from seventh and tenth group because we've had them up in Canada doing yeah. winter warfare training and Amazing. teaching them how to live in snow caves and stuff like yeah. that. You know. Yeah. And, so, Listening to the guys from Florida be miserable. <laughs> so seesaw. Yeah. It, you you go through the training. You're doing it because I mean you got you got that motivation from your brothers that you've lost. Yes. Blood, brothers and sisters, and you find yourself on another deployment. Right. So coming up on 2011, there was going to be a VSO, a village stabilization operation, hmm. uh, down in the Horn of Panjway. Um, and it's going to be under uh, CJ Sodaf, so mm-hmm. Combined Joint Special Operations Task Force. So we will be working under American command, basically. Um, the team, uh, the team daddy, as the Green Berets would say, tapped me and said, "Look, I need a signaler, and you're the one I want," because mm-hmm. uh, I'd done the, some of the gunfighting package and stuff like that. So I had 
enough follow-on skills. He knew I was a good signaler, but I had enough follow-on skills that I could be number five in the stack sure. if need be, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's never going to be my task. But in they a want pinch, to know that you they can want somebody who can that. who can listen and, and and shoot, move, and communicate, right? Sure. So so he asked me if I would, and I said, of course. Uh, and there was a bit of a f- bun fight about who was actually getting the tasking. And I remember I was, you know, uh, I was really pushing for myself pretty hard with everybody, including my warrant officer. And I'm like, you know, I want to go, I want to go. And then at our Christmas party uh, for 2011, he comes up to me and he says, uh, the, the SIGS warrant, and he says, careful what you wish for. So what do you mean? He says, you're going to Zangabad with the VSO. And I said, okay, sweet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> turns out that careful what you wish for. He was right. But, uh, mm. so I, uh, I got in with this team, um, uh, call sign stone three, three. That was our, our call sign stone three, three. And, uh, we were, uh, we came down and did some training in New Mexico and, uh, workup training out in the desert. Uh, and, uh, we deployed into Zangabad in, uh, the Horn of Panjway. And we were joined with a third group, uh, ODA. Okay. Uh, three, two, three, two, the Bush hogs. They were our, uh, our, our joint team. Um, and we all lived. So 12, uh, Green Berets or so and about a dozen Kansas guys. And we lived in a, a bombed out schoolhouse compound. And, uh, and started patrolling, doing combat presence patrols and uh, trying to, well, hosting shuras and trying to get, the idea was to build an ALP, Afghan local police, right? Mm-hmm. So they're not, yeah. they're not the, they're not the army. They're not even the police. They're like your town sheriff. Yeah. yeah. Right. He'll keep an eye on shit when the police aren't around. And, and that was the idea. Um, And that tour was, was a little crazy. We had, you know, we had the, some Afghan commandos uh, who had been kicked out, uh, you know, in the past and, and they were living in the compound doing extra sort of gate guard stuff for us. And they were like, mm. the A&P or the, the Afghan local police here guarding the gates, they're going to let the Taliban in. They're talking about it. They plan to off you. And we had to go in and actually disarm our partner force in oh, wow. at night, at night under NVGs oh, with man. just pistols, pretty much, you know, going through their quarters and, Picking up AKs and wow. disarmed them. They were stealing our fuel and stuff. And and then by morning's light, we'd put enough fuel in their Humvees for them to get somewhere, and gave them back pretty much enough ammunition <laughs> to defend themselves. And said, "There's the gate. Get the fuck out and yeah. don't come back." Yeah, you know. Uh, wow, that that's and that's a great example of a success story. Yeah. yeah. You know, I—I I mean, how many stories have we heard where it goes sure. completely the other way? Yeah. yeah, too many. Yeah, and and uh, we had we had a good tour. You know, we had a good good team. The American team was was good with us and uh, real supportive because, you know, we're the we're the poor cousins because Canada doesn't spend a huge amount of money on its military. And we got there, and they'd be like, you know, we've still got metal mags, and the and the the ODA guy armor would be like. You guys want P mags? They give us like cases of yeah, P mags. We're like, you guys rock. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all like, yeah. The P so, when those came out, man. Yeah. Cool. So they gave us all, you know, loaned us gear and gave us gear and, uh, and they brought better support weapons that we had up on the schoolhouse, you know, uh, rooftop and stuff. And we, uh, we worked the VSO for, you know, I think we'd been there almost three months and it was coming up on my 41st birthday. Okay. And I was, uh, 
there was a combat presence patrol scheduled for that day that my birthday and uh but i wasn't going no team sergeant was like take the day you're up on the roof you know sit behind the 40 millimeter or the or the 50 cal and just keep an eye and uh 10 you know so uh then the guy who i've trained as sort of a backup signaler gets ill and can't go and i said well i guess i'm going yeah so we have a, a briefing the night before you know we're doing the the intelligence brief and Everybody's like, you're going on a patrol on your birthday. Ooh, yeah. if this was a, if this was a movie, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and we're God. all joking, right? Oh, no. <laughs> so yeah, we get up, uh, at like still dark out and our team captain's not going on the patrol, but he's seeing us off. And I looked at him as we were leaving and I said, if I get blown up on my birthday, I'll never forgive you. And that was a dumb thing to say. <laughs> oh, you put it, you put it in the universe, right? brother. It, absolutely. So, um, so we patrolled out. We, um, we found two IEDs uh, with uh, our dog and our dog handler and and our patrol. Uh, we found two IEDs and neutralized them, blew them up, blew one of them up. The other one, uh, my completely insane team sergeant fish hooked out the with a fishing line and a hook out the trigger. Like I just, I, I don't know where they carry those testicles because you know, like like EOD is just not. Not something I want anything to do with, right? Yeah, but, I, I'm right there with you. you. Know, so I have a firm stance of yeah. anti-explosive. <laughs> so we did the we did the patrol and um, get it firm stance. <laughs> it's not firm anymore. It's not so firm anymore. <laughs> it's a <laughs> terrible foot joke. Well, maybe it's bionic. Sorry, <laughs> we got to get to this. So, <laughs> so we went out. We we found the two IEDs. We got rid of them. We uh, we pulled into a little village, and uh, there's just an old man and his granddaughter there. Nobody else, hmm. and that's never good news. You yeah. guys know. Yeah. Where's right? everyone else? At? Yeah, where is yeah. everybody? That's it's not good. Cool. At any rate, he, you know, showed us a place he thought there was an ID. We went out there with our dog handler and our dog. So we didn't have our own dog handlers. We had a contracted dog handler. Hmm. He was a U.S. Army vet from Iraq, uh, Iraq war vet, um, engineer, uh, uh, Bobby, and uh, and his dog, Richa, a Malinois. Hmm. And so he and I and the team sergeant went and we checked this spot and she sat and indicated that there was likely something there it had been moved so the taliban had come and dug it up and went to put it somewhere else and uh, and so we we bugger off and as we are getting ready to leave this this old man says you know the taliban are going to come behind you looking for you so we come through this saddle of this hill zangabad gar and we come through and we get down in behind and we just sort of hunkered down and waited hoping the taliban were going to follow us through mm-hmm. and we could just brew them up right but we waited and waited and nothing nothing happened i'm out there i remember uh it's my birthday it's hot uh you know april 2nd in in panjoy and i'm surrounded my job at this point is just the radio so i'm mm-hmm. leaning back on my radio bag uh, I'm surrounded by some of the most capable uh, human beings I've ever met in my life. Um, you know, a dozen soft operators who I just trust with my life and who I love like family. And I laid back on my radio bag and I put my head up towards the sun and I remember the sun on my face and almost falling asleep thinking, God, I am just so satisfied, mm. right? Like this is it. This is satisfaction. This is what I've always wanted. This is who I wanted to be. This is that moment. And it's my damn birthday. This is incredible. Yeah. And uh, eventually we realized that the Taliban aren't going to do us the favor of following us. So we go to take off 
And as we leave, we go past a grape hut and we're walking down a grape drying hut, small one. Uh, we're walking down uh, uh, just off a trail. And uh, there's a U.S. asset above us uh, with with eyes on. Hmm. Uh, and he says to me over the radio, he says, listen, now you got two guys running towards the top of that hill. And I, I can't tell you that they've you know, got a heavy weapon, but it looks like they've got a heavy weapon. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right. So I told the boss and the boss turns the team around and we go to make our way up there to get into a gunfight with these guys. Um, and uh, as we come around the corner of that same grape hut, uh, Bobby Eldridge triggers a victim operated IED steps on, uh, you know, just a yellow jug full of explosives with mm-hmm. a pressure plate. Yeah. Um, at that moment, I remember looking up, I'm head up, weapon up, you know, ready to engage at the top of this hill. We're going to come up the backside of this saddle and try to, try to get them. Uh, and all I remember is this roar. And I mean, you know, the noise is, uh, it's malevolent. It's like nothing else I've ever heard in my life. Like that, that explosive mm-hmm. sound. And then it was just smoke and flame. Uh, and I, and I, that's the last thing I remember. Uh, then I come to leaning up against the grape hut wall on the opposite side, sort of behind some cover. And there's this ungodly screaming and I realize it's me and it's not, it's not, I, I don't know where it's coming from. Like it's just from inside me. It was just yeah. terror that mm. holy shit, this, yeah. this just happened. Right. Like, uh, and, and my brain, the lizard part of my brain can't even, I mean, we're not even at lizard level now we're down yeah. to the mole, you know, yeah. who is just, like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And my, you know, training drops, you know, where's my weapon? So I reach down for my weapon to my lap and I see blood and I'm like, now I'm, you know, being a vein bugger, feeling my face. Yeah. There's blood all over my face. How bad? And I, I get up and I try to walk and I make it about two, three steps and I fall and I see our engineer go running past me, just swinging the, uh, his wand looking for secondaries and trailing foot powder trying to make a, a, a clear path, right? Yeah. Just mm-hmm. follow the foot powder line out. I'm in the black and I'm not, I'm like, I'm right across the foot powder line. Yeah. I'm heading <laughs> oh. for a buddy of mine yeah. who's on the rocks and he's looking at me going like this and he's got, you know, his eyes are big. And um, I remember trying to get up twice and falling down. It was concussion had just knocked me on my ass. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to him. They rolled me over. Um, and I looked, as he rolled me over, I looked and I saw Bobby and he was missing both his legs. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, my job is to get help in the air, right? Yeah. Like that's, that for me, that's everything. Get the medevac moving, mm. right? Uh, I'm, I'm the radio operator and I'm down, but my antenna's blasted. So I'm yelling at guys to get my antenna back up on my, my rig so that I can, I get up on this, on SATCOM and I'm deaf and I'm in the black that whole you drop to your lowest level of your training for me did not happen because I am screaming at the poor bugger at the AOB at yeah. the other end of the radio. Yeah. I'm screaming at him that we've got an IED. I've got uh, dual, uh, you know, traumatic amputations on one guy. I, another one of my guys is crawling on his face. I can see that. Hmm. And the dog's gone. Hmm. And, uh, and they finally, he was the guy in the AOB was awesome. He was like, he's like, I need you to calm down. I need you to stop for me, breathe for a second. And I breathed and I said, okay, 
here's where I am. Here's what's going on. Let me start getting you a nine liner and a mist out. Right. Yeah. And, and it just, it took just somebody to tell me, you know, just to, to come up to me and sort of be like, Toby, you got a job to do, get it together. Yeah. I, I instinctively went to do my job, but I was not doing it correctly. correctly yeah. Right. Yeah, like I was so blasted. And, um, I carried that for a long time, like for years afterwards. Sure I was that guilt. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like, yeah. like I, I used to tell people I, I was weighed and measured and found wanting, you know, and that's, that's a horrible feeling to mm-hmm. do to yourself. Right. Like that's, that's an awful thing. Like, did I cause this? Did I change the order of March yeah. so that I should have triggered the ID, not Bobby, et cetera, et cetera. You know, long story short, bird finally gets in, uh, the dog survived. She came running up to me. So wow. I sort of muckled onto the dog. She's badly blasted down her butt end. Um, we get to an HL. We create an HLZ. Uh, the Americans come in and get us with a Black Hawk. Hmm. Uh, we had to tape Reach's mouth shut with electrical tape because she's biting people because she's freaked out. Terrified. Yeah, yeah. And terrified. Bobby's got tourniquets on and he's okay. One of our other guys is uh, hit, as it turns out, a piece of something went through his back plate about nine tenths of the way through his back plate as uh, he'd taken it right in the spine um, and concussed. Uh, and I'm, I didn't call myself in and, uh, and the medic comes around and he's like, okay, here's what I've got. And I'm like, I already sent it. I sent the mess, sent the nine liner. We're good. He's like, how many seats? And I told him, you know, I, I said, I got two guys in the dog. And he says, three guys in the dog. And I said, what? He says, you, I said, I'm fine. He's like, you're far from fine. <laughs> you're bleeding and puking, right? Yeah. I'm throwing up all over the place and I'm bleeding oh, like a stuck God. pig. And, oh, um, and I'm like, fine, I'll get on the bird. And yeah, so I yeah. called my own, uh, you know, missed in and, and we got on the bird. Uh, and then the bird got shot up on the way out. Oh, shit. Uh, it oh. took a couple of rounds on the way out. And I'm like, this is my birthday, right? Yeah. This is it. This Happy is, birthday. This is how it's going. <laughs> uh, and I remember, Flying across the Registan Desert towards Kandahar Airfield, out of the out of the Panj, uh, and Bobby bleeding profusely. I mean, he's he's missing both legs here above, just above his knees, uh, and he's the flight medics, of course, putting on more tourniquets because yeah. you don't trust the last guy's work, mm-hmm. right? Our medic saved Bobby's life. There's no doubt, but the flight medic's not going to just trust that. He's going to put of on course. his own tourniquets, yeah, right? Definitely. So he's cranking tourniquets and Bobby's screaming and he's holding my hand and just screaming and yelling at me. And he's like, what are they doing? And I said, saving your life, asshole. Like, yeah. Like, what do you want? I, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm, yeah. I'm here with you. I'm holding your hand. Just look at me. Just look at me. Look at me. The longest 25 minutes of my life. Mm, yeah. Glancing out that window at the red sand going by, looking down at Bobby, red sand, Bobby, red sand, Bobby. And I'm just like, for the love of God, get me out of here, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, the bird landed in Kandahar Airfield. They took Bobby immediately. They threw me and the other guy and the dog into an ambulance. And we stopped at the veterinarian because because uh, the U.S. Army is amazing. They have veterinarians. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. we don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I took Richa in. And, and Richa and I were pretty friendly with each other. And that's why she had run to me. So I took her in. Um, and I tried to stay. And <laughs> medics, like, no. <laughs> no, you're going to the roll three. So I'm off to the roll three. And, and, uh, I remember we, you know, they're taking gear off me and I'm freaking out because my gear is filled with cryptological equipment, like crypto. Right. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, you can't. And these are guys in civvy clothes. Yeah, and I'm like, like who I don't know. And I'm like, you can't have this. You can't have, that. no, no. There's, I said, you know, my weapon, it's, it's ready. There's a round in the chamber. It's ready. You know? And then finally one of the guys in plain clothes looks over, civvy clothes looks over and he goes, we're with you. They were Kansoff guys that oh. I'd never 
they're from another unit. I oh, didn't wow. know them, right? And he said, I got your gear. Relax. Yeah. So he took my gear. They took us into the hospital. I remember uh, I couldn't hear very well. The doctor sort of half hollering at me. He says, do you know what day it is? Because they're trying to assess concussion level, right? And I said, yeah, it's my birthday. And apparently the whole room <laughs> goes really quiet. And the flight medic sticks his head in and he says, when that son of a bitch can hear again, tell him he got a helicopter ride for his birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday. That's right. That's right. And um, after that, it was deep riding, you know, picking um, most of the shrapnel was what we uh, call biological shrapnel, Bobby's leg bones Bones, and rocks. Mm. Uh, And that was not fun to get out. You know, you're deep riding it. Um, Some they decided to leave because it was going to cause more damage just plucking it your body will reject it i i would get pimples of bone that i would squeeze out for probably a year or two afterward wow um i still have one little lump left that is just calcified around my body calcified or made a pocket around it and yeah. kept it and and uh and and i i treasure that because unfortunately bobby fell to his demons and uh opioid addictions uh yeah. down the road and he's no longer with us and uh so I sort of yeah. treasure this little lump because yeah. it's it's just a remembrance of him, right? A little piece of Bobby. Yeah, still. he was a great dude, um, incredible, and and he's the reason I fell in love with Malinois, and I now have a Maligator of my own that is <laughs> unhandleable and crazy, <laughs> makes my life uh, exciting. But that was my birthday. Um, wow! I went back out. I tried to go back out to patrol. I patrolled for a few a few patrols afterward. Uh, I remember. Uh, telling uh, our team sergeant, I don't think our medic's okay, you know, because he was he was just acting very depressed and very down and very quiet. And I've known him for years. It just it was not him. He was not himself. Yeah. And uh, and he says, Yeah, we're we're all going in for a checkup again, and you're going for a checkup. And I said, Why? He says, We're sitting outside of a village. We would creep up to outside of a village at night, and then just before daybreak, go in and post up on corners mm-hmm. so that the locals would wake up. And they'd be like, Oh, Jesus those Canadian bearded guys are here again. (laughs) Right. Like the, they they always assumed we were American soft because they had no idea, you know, but so we were, we would get called on the, when they talked about us on the, the radios, they they would call us, you know, the Americans with beards. Right. (laughs) We're like, same, same. It's all good. We're cousins. Don't (laughs) worry. Right. Same family. They're an American. (laughs) Same family. America's hat. So we, we posted, I guess we were out one night and I'm just like, he looks over at me and I'm like with my NVGs on my dual tubes. And I'm like, Oh, staring at the sky, just looking yeah. at stars and stuff. And he's like, you know, so we went into the role three, um, met with a psychologist. I didn't bullshit the psychologist in the least. My wife had begged me. She's a two tour Afghan vet. Yeah. She had begged me and I got nothing but respect for her. Uh, she asked me, she said, tell the truth. Mm. I don't care what it costs you. Tell the truth. I walked into the shrink and she said, uh, you know, sort of like, what do you think of Afghanistan? And I unloaded. I said, I don't give a shit about these people. I'd burn this place to the ground. Men, women, children, I don't care. Just turn it into a glassy parking lot. It's a hole. And I invented. Yeah. And then they sent me over to see the doc Mm. uh, who turned out to be a U.S. Navy SEAL uh, neurologist. Hmm. He happened to be the doctor on duty uh, that day. And he was like, 
we're going to put you back in the machine. So they stuck my head back in the MRI, and he came out, and he says, you're not going anywhere. Oh, yeah. So you got three dead spots in your brain that I can see, it looks like. And that was confirmed later back in Canada uh, that I had three dead spots in my brain. Mm. Um, I got a great picture from an MRI of, you know, where your brain's nice and round, and mine looks like this. It's dented in on one side, oh, <laughs> you know. Um, my Israeli helmet had taken uh, there's two chunks out of it. Uh, where something that had been blasted up, big rocks had probably smashed it. Yeah, so crazy that uh, my, helmet saved your life, right? Like, and you know. and 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 I, you know, not to bitch the Canadian regular infantry or, or equipment out, but I don't know if a Gallette helmet would have saved my life. But I know the Rubintex did. It's yeah. a better helmet, right? And that's why we used them. We mm-hmm. spent the money to buy as a unit buy these helmets and it was yeah it saved my life my oakley's were it looked like somebody had taken a rake across them yeah, yeah. saved my vision uh you know my flak jackets were destroyed but they they saved my my ability to see i got oh. i got lucky so when we talk about that game of inches i won by you know i won by millimeters yeah yeah literal. you know and that's and that to me is how is about ex- the buddy with the shrapnel in the back he, he's he recovered uh yeah. had some brain traumatic brain injury and and but he recovered and carried on as a soft operator and uh eventually amazing became uh did what we call cfr commission from ranks like a mustang mm-hmm. okay and eventually became a soft uh, officer for a while and 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 then retired yeah um so i i went back to the unit uh i was medically repatriated i called my wife i had called my wife from the hospital the day that i got to the role three i called mm-hmm. her and um we were calling her and i could barely hear and i'm on the phone and and i'm like how are you and she's like what i said how are you she's like i'm fine how are you and i'm like we got blown up <laughs> she's like oh god yeah and then like, um, when that's your story and that's right? all you've experienced yeah like it's just so matter of factly <laughs> exactly. you know? got blown up we got blown up <laughs> Can't hear you. sorry yeah. but uh yeah so you know, I, the unit was amazing. The unit did what it could to keep me around for the longest time. I did some uh, work with the commanding officer being his signaler. Okay. Uh, traveled around the world. Got to go to, like, hang with two commando in Australia. Got to go hang with the Malaysian yeah. SEALs. Got to, you know, I got to go to um, SOCAF in Germany and mm. hang out there for a while. And I went to Hawaii and met with uh, yeah. uh, Admiral, um, oh, the Navy SEAL with the make your bed McRaven. Oh, McRaven. McRaven. Yeah. you know got to got to hang out and have lunch with him one day and like so i got a lot of jammy goes and and the rsm and the co were amazing to me and they tried very hard to take care of me but fact of the matter is is i was drinking like a fish i was mm-hmm. abusing myself uh my head was not coming back uh i had aphasia i would make up words that didn't exist um and my, and my wife was like you know it's like what are we having for supper tonight and i'd be like sea fish and she's like is it fish or seafood? It's not sea fish. And, and I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. Cause in, Cause in my head, it was tell. right. Yeah. You know, oh, and, so and my, my worst was like, you, you, I, I see this a lot. It's I could remember practice. the word aphasia. I couldn't remember the word dog. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. like that yeah. stuff was driving it's me. Stuff like that. Yeah. Where you in your mind, you know, you could say, uh, cat and it, yeah. it's like you're thinking dog. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Oh, left and right killed me for absolutely. for a year. Left and right. Really? I, it still I, kills me. I, 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 <laughs> I'm always like, Oh yeah, that's a good one. I don't have aphasia yeah. either. So you know, I mean it, it messed me up and and uh 
and uh, and I took to I got a massive depression and mm. PTSD. I would wake up screaming uh, three four nights a week. Wow. Uh, mm. Sherry's been punched. She's been grabbed and manhandled in her sleep because I'm having nightmares. Mm. Yeah, uh, there was a time I spent some time living on the couch. Sure, you know, just because I just didn't want to put her through it. She would mm-hmm. build a pillow wall between us on the bed. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. So that, yeah uh, very familiar. And it's yeah. it's. That has decreased. Um, I was on 26 pills a day at first, uh, afterward. I mean, that's, it was the army's answer was just mm-hmm. like pharma psychology, right? Let's just get go. this going down range. Here's a hundred milligrams of Pristique. Oh, I still feel like hell. Well, let's go to 200. Let's go to 300. We went to 400, which is the maximum human dose. Yeah. And I was like, okay, now you're right. I don't feel depressed, but I don't feel anything. Yeah. Just I'm a no. zombie. Yeah. They had me on. Antipsychotics they tried to get rid of the nightmares they tried anticonvulsives so many anticonvulsives gabapentin and and you know uh tried to get rid of neurological pain um I lost half my hearing in the blast because okay. as a as a signal you can't have uh you know earplugs in I I have to be able to hear what's going on and yeah. and one of my eardrums had, was filled with blood for about seven months post blast yeah. took seven months for the blood to go down wow there was you could I would go in and they would Tell me, they could see the line of blood yeah. dropping in my eardrum oh, wow. slowly. Almost on empty. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, there was a whole bunch of effects, but the nightmares just wouldn't go away. It mm. would not, wouldn't stop. And uh, and so, I slowly started to wean myself off some of the pills. I went through EMDR, where they flash a light mm-hmm. in front of you. I went through cognitive behavior therapy. I went through neurofeedback. I went through, I tried uh, Qigong. Like, I was like, okay, I'll... I'll I don't care. I will do, you know, whatever you, whatever's going to help here and try to save my career. Um, eventually that wasn't going to happen. I, I wasn't going to be able to operate at the sort of level required to be an SF. Um, I certainly, certainly not in SF and probably not even in, in the military. And so when it was offered to take a medical release, I begrudgingly agreed. It's, uh, still breaks my heart because they're my family. Sure. my unit yeah, you know course. i mean they're again that identity sure and right? and i actually had to leave the base the town that the base is in because i would see all my buddies yeah right in unit vehicles and multicam and and everybody else is in cat pat so you know it's your guys yeah. and i'd see my guys all over the place and i'd be like i'm yeah. not one of them anymore you know <laughs> yeah. i'm eeyore now i can't do this i can't live here like this so yeah, yeah. smart move so, so we moved uh out to the west coast where i grew up in canada and uh to vancouver island mm, and uh just started traipsing around now we're retired and uh and then just lately i've started to pull myself off of uh the the pharmaceuticals uh, through the use of and the assistance of uh, psychedelic therapy. Yes. And it is making a huge difference. Now, I had tried the marijuana, medical mm-hmm. marijuana, because in Canada, they pay for it for veterans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they, my God. They pay so nice. up, up to 10 grams a day for some guys. <laughs> 10 grams? I'm like, you know, so there's some <laughs> guys. But for me, what happened Excuse was me that much? they gave me three grams a day, and I couldn't use no way. remotely, but I would couch lock. Man, I get oh, I get yeah. I get remotely stoned, <laughs> yeah. and I'm and I and I'm a West Coast boy. I grew up in hippie country, yeah. and I'd be yeah, like, Vancouver. and I'd be like, yeah, like, yeah, oh. just comatose. Can I watch Rick and Morty Jesus. some more? Yeah, you know, exactly. like, that's <laughs> not you know. There's a balance, right? There's yes. a balance <laughs> to everything. Um, that being one of them, but I think that's incredible, and and we're seeing all of these stories, and we've talked about it on the show yeah. countless times. Yeah. So now how, I'm. 
yeah now i've 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 moved away from the marijuana and i'm i'm doing psilocybin uh 200 milligrams yep sub perceptual i don't feel it yep but i do feel it because what happens is certain things disappear the voice that was in my head for probably six or seven years after the blast that said just turn your harley in front of that 18 wheeler yep just step off the side of the bridge just do yourself in you're useless just put the pistol in your mouth and be done yeah. You know, that voice, which I never took seriously, but it was, it was from the blast. It was, it was a change in, in, in the balance of my brain you took that, it I, that a, I had this, yeah. this, uh, this voice continuously there. And I'd be like, it's like a sense of normality. I don't want to die. Yeah. I don't want to die. So why yeah. is it saying that to me? And that, you know, mm. that was That's a horrible the separation feeling. between yes. lower and higher self. Yes. Mm. So then when I start the, the microdosing, um, I start coming off of the the uh, pharmaceuticals. Yes. That voice is gone. Um, I am much less likely to be angry. I'm much calmer. Uh, I, anxiety and nightmares? I, I, the nightmares are decreased. Mm. My outbursts are down to, you know, like one every couple of weeks, I'll get angry at the dog or I'll, you know, like, God damn it. But that, yeah. that used to be, there wasn't a wall in my house that didn't have holes patched from punching it. Yeah. You know, and I don't have any of that with the with the the yeah. psilocybin. It has taken it away, and and uh, and it killed my desire to smoke pot. Like I would, yeah. I day one, the first time, and Sherry was like, "You you're not didn't use your vape last night," and I'm like, "Oh, yeah. no, I didn't. Don't want it anymore." Huh? And I haven't touched it since. And there's not been any desire to. It yeah. was a very strange thing for me. The desire to drink went. Way yep, down. So way I can, down. I'll have a couple of drinks, you know, on a hot day, we're hanging out at the pool. Cause mm. you know, I'm retired and I can do that. But you know, like, yeah. plus I'm in Texas and they got really good whiskey. That devil's river yeah. whiskey is like oh, going to be the death of me. But I, you know, like I just, I, I'm not, I went from putting down a 26 or vodka yeah. a day, 26 ounces of vodka a day to, you know, have a few drinks here and there. And, and, and if I don't, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. You don't so need it. Right. It's, it's been yeah. life changing. I can't even quantify what this has done for me. Like it's just, it's I agree. Unbelievable. I we're, we're both on the same page. Yeah. With you and, and this is what we're trying to raise, raise that awareness of, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I know guys who've done, well, I know like you guys talked, discussed earlier before we got on about IBO and, mm-hmm. and I know guys who've done ketamine treatment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, MDMA is being used. Five MEO, DMT. In, yeah, yeah. Well, so now I'm on my way to Peru in May. Yeah. Uh, both Sherry and I, because she has really got some contact PTSD. I know there's another term for it, but you know, ten years of living with my violence and my uh, hate, self hatred yeah. and loathing. She has. Yeah. She's, you know, certainly suffered from it. So she's coming down and we're going to go do some five ayahuasca ceremonies in, uh, in May. Woo. There's a company, a, a group called, uh, becoming om, om.com, hmm. becoming om.com. And they're, uh, they've just started a, a not for profit and Excellent. they weren't necessarily veteran focused. And then they got their hands on, um, uh, uh, another guy who, who does uh, podcasts and stuff, combat coach, uh, hmm. Casey, they got a hold of him, and then they got a hold of me, and they were like, "This works for us. We like this. Yeah, we like how much change we can make in your lives." Um, so they're really pushing hard with veterans with uh, traumatic brain injury Excellent. and PTSD. Uh, they've set themselves up a, a not for profit. They're going to start being able to get 
some funding and stuff. I, I, Perfect. Sherry and I paid this trip, our, our trip out of our pockets, uh, because, um, there are organizations out there, Heroic Hearts and a few others, mm-hmm. and they're incredible, but the waiting lists were long yeah. and I was, really desperate to change my life sure and and it's going to be the best money you've ever spent well that's what it comes down to right is is, uh, how much value do you put on your health and how much value do i put on my family's health around me yeah agreed. and and so it was like you know this is going to cost me well canadian about twelve thousand bucks for the two of us to go because vancouver to peru is a long way to to but to have your life back sure Yeah. yeah i mean i'm i'm i'll be 53 in April, you know, and, and hopefully you got 30 odd more years left on this planet and I'd like to enjoy them. I'd like it to be, you know, and I, and I've got a granddaughter coming in May, yeah, my first yeah. grandchild. So I, I want to be, I don't want to be the dad I was to my kids because I, I've, my kids have suffered from my PTSD and sure. trauma. Yeah. Right. Uh, so I don't want my granddaughter to suffer mm. from grandpa's trauma and stuff. Yeah. So it's, it just came down to, to healing and fixing and, and I, I mean, I heard people talk about it forever, and I was like, nah, I don't know. Sounds kind of yeah. We get that a lot. And then we started to watch some stuff like on Netflix. You know the uh, the stories on or how to change your mind. Yeah, how to change yeah, your mind. And yeah. I was like, Michael Pollan. Wow. Yeah, I need that. Like, yeah, I need that. And then I started to follow some guys like American Live Yogi and mm-hmm. Combat Coach and guys who've been in there and done this stuff. And I was like, man, this is the answer. Like maybe it's the answer. I, I'm willing yeah. to give it a shot. And now. You know, I mean, I, so the, you want to, you want to be different. You have to do different, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So it, it's not just the, the microdose as you guys know, it's not like, this is not a, a um, it's not a recreational it. use in any No. And it, but yeah. it's also, it's not a, it's not a, 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 a cure it's not for a anything. It's not a fire and yeah. fit, a fire and forget missile, no, right? Yeah. You compliments the other therapies sure. that you're doing, the journaling, the meditation. Yes. So for me, it's the journaling meditation. Mm. I've never been able to do either. And now I'm, it, you know, I came to the podcast this morning. I didn't get to journal and meditate. And I'm like, as soon as I get home, I'm going to journal and meditate yeah. because well, I this, know it makes me such. This is a such... form of therapy. Sure. Too. Yeah. You oh, know? yeah. Um, and and this, is, this is that exposure therapy to just, you know, re-bring, revisiting these memories and revisiting Absolutely. these experiences. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but sharing it with an audience now sure. is something that is is a huge attaboy. It's Absolutely. a huge and we have a tendency to like focus so much on the negative we don't see yeah. the growth that we're doing. Absolutely. And you know, it it looks This like, is the first time I've been able to sit and talk probably without getting tears. Yeah. I I have you know, I mean, we we know each other from Scotland and I'm I'm I would always I'm happy to tell my story, but I get overclimped and yeah. you know get tears yeah. in my eyes and stuff and now i'm in a position where i can talk and i can say look this is what happened to me you know like last when i came back from scotland i went jumping with these guys operation uh, pegasus jump it's yeah. a yeah. program in canada where they take uh, vets and whether you've jumped or not they put you through a ground school uh and then they take you up in a cessna uh we talked about this right and and you hang like yeah. a monkey off yeah. the off yeah. the strut yeah. you know and then you let go and you even if you've never jumped because I had never gotten the chance to jump. I had, mm-hmm. I had done uh, fries, insert extract, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But I had never gotten a chance to jump, and I would have eventually in seesaw, but I got wounded, so yeah. didn't happen. So this was my first jump was last year, and man, I I landed like two feet from the pee pit, and I walked oh, it perfect. off. I walked off the landing, and the, the, the sergeant major looks at me, and goes, "You telling me you've never done?" That? I'm like, "Nope, <laughs> hell yeah!" And that On was, target. and that was a, you yeah. know, that was a, that was a, there's a. A documentarian there and he was doing a documentary he says can i ask you how you feel and i said i feel like a 
bleeping savage again, you know, (laughs) but it was an opportunity to get together with a bunch of guys, tell your story, listen to their stories. I, I, I've said for a while, uh, you know, recovery is a solo sport. Hmm. Your, your doctor can't heal you. Your psychologist can't heal you. Your battle buddy can't heal you. They can give you tools. Yes. But when this piece of machinery is broken, you're the mechanic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And you have to recognize so, which tools right, to utilize. Right. So get the tools from them and appreciate those tools and then utilize them. Use them. So, so group things like Pegasus Jump or like the Yump and things like that, those, those have great value because A, they get you back into a challenging team environment, but they also give you the opportunity to collect more tools and to hand tools out to people. Yes. Right? That's it. But at the end of the day, you have to fix yourself with them. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and, and you one do. of the things and a lot change, of changing your perspective, I think is one of the most important things. Yeah. You know, it's it, like, I always tell that those intrusive thoughts, those are the ones that kill you is like, Absolutely. Oh, man, you know, it, you know, I screamed when I got hit. I'm less of a man. Yeah. Like, yeah. have you told yourself that? Oh, I'm sure. all the time, right. a million times. And imposter and, syndrome. Out yeah. the hoop, you and, know, and, like, <laughs> and truly, um, it's, it's more about focusing on the growth. Like, like you said, recognizing that you're not crying while having the story anymore. That's huge. Yeah. And then, you know, reaching an audience now yeah. where you're providing tools for them to use because uh, people don't compare themselves. Well, no. they probably do. I've never done that, but a lot of people, what they'll do is like, I'm facing a, a similar adversity or a completely different adversity, but like, maybe I should try journaling. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. that that's huge. So one of the things I did with this start of this uh, healing is to, in this journey is I, I, I opened up my Instagram. Um, and, uh, and if you want to follow me, it's medicated Mohican on Instagram, but, <laughs> and, and it's open. I don't keep people off of it. Uh, you know, I opened it up and I, every two, three days on, on Instagram and on Facebook, I give uh, an update on, on how this is helping to change me. So I'm only on like two months into the, the microdosing and, but you know, I have a lot of veteran followers and a lot of veteran friends and they can, they can see sort of real time how it's working for me. Right. And to be able to say, you know, okay, so here's what I'm like on the three days. I don't microdose. Here's what, how I feel or, you know, so now here I am, I'm two months in and, it tends to that calm lasts until Sunday now, which is a huge plus, right? So now I'm not having to, you know, I don't, I'm only microdosing four days a week, but I feel it for the seven. Yes. Right. And, 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 and to get the point across to people that this isn't, uh, it's not a panacea. It's not a fire and forget you. Mm -hmm. You have to journal, you have to uh, meditate, you have to exercise, but, but as all of that, the the microdosing just made all of that so much easier. Mm-hmm. It does for me, right? Like it could, everything got quiet enough in my brain that I could think to put something on paper. Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. And to separate myself from what I was putting on paper, so that it's not just all emotional, mm-hmm. right? Like to try to write the story of what happened to me in Zangabad when I've written it before. I've been like, God, that sounds like a hokey movie, <laughs> right? Because you're putting hero complexes into it and you're putting yeah. uh, my failure into it, et cetera, et cetera. And now I can look at it and go, okay, here's what happened. And it was a really shitty day, but yeah, but you know, you can move on at the end of the day. I can move on from that now and yeah. I can, I can, you'll, you'll also become find, somebody new. Yeah. You'll find in your next journey of your plant-based medicine that you're, 
post-traumatic stress from that specific incident is just a blip. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason why most of us react to that adversity is because of our past. Sure. Our childhood. Sure. The way we were raised, the way we Absolutely. were taught. Absolutely. And, and, and when, when you're further enough in this journey, you'll get to a point where you've, you've dissected that PTS no. enough where you could go back now and, and figure out why you were even in that situation yeah. in the first place. Yeah. I, it's one of the things that I discuss on my Instagram or on my Facebook is that I must, I am a sexual abuse survivor from childhood sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And I know that that set me on a path. That's why to he's be, in special operations to be, to be, to be, that's it. to be that's screwed it. In, in, in every person that's in special operations. I yeah. find the exact same thing. Yep. And I, and I really think it would be interesting if you could have a blind study yeah. Uh, we we've been doing it know, on the show, but I think you would find that, so that, that guys, yeah, it's uh, because yeah, I couldn't defend myself then, yep. and I'll fucking defend myself and now, others. and I will be good at it, and I'll defend others now, yeah. and I'll be yeah. good at it. I will and be the deadliest so I can be at it. That's that's becoming the guardian and the protector, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it uh, also makes yeah. puts you in a position, weakened position when you know third tour I get hit. Yeah. I'm already at a point that, you know, I, I've come from a home where I had suffered childhood sexual abuse. I come from a home where split up when I was six mm-hmm. and I never really had a relationship with my mother much mm-hmm. for a lot of years. And all of a sudden it's like when I start to do the plant medicine, I start to look at this stuff and I go, you know, I don't think Afghanistan is probably my problem. <laughs> I think my problem's yeah. a lot deeper. That, that's exactly it. And ayahuasca is going to show me. <laughs> that, and that's exactly it is, um, you know, those who have been, victims of childhood trauma um, have survived based off of stuffing it down. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you have a traumatic experience, um, your reaction to that is going to be to bottle it up, Absolutely. to stay strong and keep protecting. Absolutely. Very, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've talked to a couple other guys from the, the community and they're the same way yeah. and with the same sort of back history. Mm-hmm. And, and it, yeah, it's interesting where, where, that sort of guardian, how those units wind up being filled with guys with that guardian complex, right? Mm-hmm. That want to. It's it's yeah. amazing, man. But I mean, an incredible story. Thank you so much for man, sharing and what? opening up. I know that's. Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate the forum and the and the ability to talk. I, I think that I think that this is going to be in the future. This is going to be the way we treat trauma. Yes, you know, uh, Doctor Gabor Mate. I don't know if you guys ever follow him or heard of him. He's a, he's a Canadian doctor. He chose to become, he chooses to deal with addictions people uh, based off trauma-based medicine in East Vancouver, which is the worst addiction, addicted area in North America, yeah. probably the world. Uh, they have more overdoses there per capita than anywhere else. Uh, East Vancouver is a bit of a mess. I mean, beautiful. I love Vancouver, but, but the opioid addiction has hit British yeah. Columbia very, yeah. very hard. Yeah. Uh, and Gabor Mate is an incredible doctor and he's been just sort of a, a, a mentor for me without knowing he is, you know, yeah. he, the, the first piece of hope he ever really gave me was he said that when you talk about um, uh, trauma, you can't change the mechanism of injury, right? You can't heal the fact that you were blown up, mm-hmm. but you can heal what that mechanism of injury did to you, right? You can, you can treat the wound. You can't treat what happened. Yeah. You can't, un traumatize you traumatize yourself but you can treat how it affected you right and yeah. that and that for me was that for me was was huge for mm-hmm. me to be able to say 
Jesus, there's hope yeah. here. Yes. You know, yeah, I can't, you know, get be unabused or or unblown up. You can't unring a bell. Yeah. Yep. But you can. I don't have it. to listen to the bell yeah. all the time now. Yeah. You know, yeah. so change what's happened afterwards. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Uh, it's incredible. So if you had, so since you're on this platform, so yep. if you had something to tell the audience about like overcoming adversity or yeah, what would it sure. be? Sure. Um, don't quit. You know, I mean, uh, there have been times I've wanted to quit. There have been times I wanted to die. There have been times the worst than that were times when I didn't care if I lived or died mm. and I was just apathetic toward it. Um, but I know that my future is better and that there yeah. is a future and it can be better. I have hope. Um, and that, uh, modern medicine, the, the pharma, Pseudical answer, the textbook answer is not necessarily the answer anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it was based off of what we knew at the time, and that's fine. But we're talking about groups of people like the Shipibo down in Peru who've been doing this for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, and they understand something that we don't understand. It's been going on for thousands sure. of years, and we've shelved it and we've Absolutely. cut off access. And, and I, I, I have to, to say that because the, these pharmaceutical companies. They, they want to keep you as customers. Absolutely. And they don't want to cure you. No. And, and, and this has been hidden away. And what we're doing here is we're, we're talking about it. Absolutely. And, and who better to talk about it than veterans who are going through lost it? everything. Absolutely. And now you're finding that they're able to freaking walk again. Absolutely. Like it's, <laughs> oh. they're able to uh, have a beautiful relationship. Four, with their families. Yeah. Four to five years ago, I was handcuffed to a hospital bed with leather belts across my chest and legs because I had just melted down hard. Yeah. And I'm, and, you know, I have a beautiful home, which yeah. I rent to my oldest daughter because my wife and I now and our two dogs have a 40 foot fifth wheel and we just travel around and go where we want to go and do what we want to do and life enjoy again. a life yeah. that that I didn't think I was ever going to enjoy again. And it's thanks to plant medicine and, and stepping away from pharmaceuticals. Mm. Amazing. You know? Yeah. yeah. Amazing. It's awesome. Well, where can we find you at again? I know you said uh, medicated Mohican on Instagram. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much where most people would find me and, and feel free to follow. I, uh, you know, you'll see my goofy dogs and you'll, <laughs> you'll probably see some bad memes, but you'll also see my journey and you'll see, uh, you know how things are going to go. I'm going to do this all the way through Peru uh, and afterward. I'm going to continue to sort of video blog this and make sure people can see how it works. Um, and I, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to David and Cordy at becoming com again. Mm. They're incredible. They, uh, they really are going to want to try. They want to try to focus on veterans. And I know that they're Perfect. they're sort of linking in with uh, yeah. heroic hearts so that maybe they can take some pressure off the heroic hearts, um, you know, uh, waiting list. Yeah. That's the other thing I would say to guys. There are waiting lists for this stuff if you can't just pay it out of your pocket and be prepared for that. But there's hope at the end of that waiting list. And there's treatment before you go for the big yeah, thing. You can yeah. get into just microdosing. That doesn't mean you have to go do IA or or IBO that, or any extreme, of that. You know, that's yeah, that's yeah. you're going on a different journey to try to really dig deep. But you can start just with microdosing and it's it's available. There are resources out there. Just make sure you find good resources Agreed. that are reputable and, and that you know what you're getting, you know, man. Thanks. Thanks so much awesome. for being on the show, brother. Appreciate, really you. appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. That's awesome. Truly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, we could talk for hours and I'm absolutely sure we will after this, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been, 
been great just opening up your heart and the journey that you're going. I, I mean, I can't help but feel just happy for you and your family. And yeah. uh, congratulations it's, on being a future grandfather. Right? Yeah. I will feel a little young for it, but whatever. It yeah. happens when it happens. You, right? you also, this guy looks like he's 40 years old. Yeah. Now. And he's joined so, at 32. That's right. right. Young man's <laughs> yeah, game. That's right. Yeah. That's what happens. That's right. <laughs> Well, yeah, thank you very much for awesome. your time today, Toby. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. This has been the Medevac Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure to follow along on our social media, at uh, Medevac Podcast. You can interact with myself and Dave directly there. Questions, comments, concerns, that's where you're going to reach us. Thanks for watching. Bye. Thanks for tuning in.